Welcome to The Confidence Project. My name is Liam and I have made it my mission to skyrocket your confidence across body, mind and everything in between. I want this podcast to inspire you so that you have the self-belief and motivation to become the best version of yourself. Thank you so much for listening and embarking on what's going to be an incredible journey for the both of us. Let's take you from where you are now to where you want to be. Tim, we are in. If you wouldn't mind just popping yourself on mute, if that is the case, um, just to back out any background noise or anything like that. But like I said, this is an open Q&A. So if you do want to unmute and just shout at me anything, pop in the chat box, then we can. If you've come with any questions that you want answering, fire them in the chat box or, like I said, just ask away in any way, shape or form. Um, But here we go. So the first question that I received, and there's no right or wrong order to this, but Someone directed at me and someone directed at struggles, I guess. So I've started off with the ones about me and then we've sort of tailed off to the general pub, uh, public, public, if we will. Um, so it's a case of just if, you're, if your question gets answered as we go, brilliant. If not, then ask away by all means. So the first question I actually got was, why did you become a coach? I thought this was a really interesting question because, you know, it's a case of, well, this is my lifestyle. This is my livelihood why would I really want to do it? And the, the answer is it's the reward factor, quite simply. I love the feeling of, I guess, having the feel-good factor and the, the reward factor of giving back. Um, this idea of trying to set an example for somebody, some you know, giving someone to look up to, to be an inspiration. It was always sort of second nature. It was always something I wanted to do. I always gravitated towards trying to almost, almost do the right thing and set an example for anyone and everyone, really. So from you know day dot when when I could first get a job actually my my first ever job role was customer advisor so I was just sat in front of desk just talking to people and and that's all where it started from really I ended up helping people with x y and z then I ended up going into a coaching role in schools and then I did more football based but I was always in a coaching or helping role in a way um, and then I've essentially just put my interests and hobbies together with it so I put myself in a position where I enjoyed the gym I enjoyed sports and tried to make a career out of it and, and here we are but it, it's got to the point where I love my role uh, I down to you guys of course um, and you know how many people can say that they love going to work it doesn't really feel like a job in that sense so that's quite a privilege and honor to express but ultimately yeah I, I'm a coach because I, I like to help people and, and I've combined that with my interest in the gym and I know how it felt to be in the gym and just feel like a wally and just what on earth am I doing here? You're going to get countless things wrong. So we've put ourselves in a position where actually can you be that arm around the shoulder? Can you be that ray of light for someone in, in the gym or not so much even that, just on their health, fitness and well-being journey and can you just pave the path for them? So yeah, I thought that was a really good um, question to kickstart things and and it's an ever-changing answer because I'll always go through new experiences but Ultimately, the, the the bottom line is it's to help people and it's to get that reward factor. Um, and this actually ties in with the next question, which was, what's the biggest lesson I've learned? And I, I assume this meant generally when I got asked. Um, and I think there's lots. And again, a bit like previously, that answer could always interchange. But there, there is one um, when I was trained to be a teacher. And I trained to be a teacher because it was the easy option, quite simply. I was in a coaching role where I thought, you know what, I'm not paying enough money. What on earth am I going to do here? One school said to me, you make a great teacher, do you fancy it? And I bit their hand off and said, yeah. 
what a mistake that was because I cannot cut it. Um, it was the hardest thing I ever did. It was a struggle and I realised I just didn't enjoy it. And I remember almost having a bit of an epiphany, really. I was sat playing this math lesson, year two, counting coins. I didn't even get it myself. I thought, what bloody hell are you on about here? I thought, how on earth can you express this to kids? You can't articulate your point. And I just thought, why are you doing it? What on earth are you doing here? So the lesson being is that I was following the crowd. I was really making an effort to take an easy option just to do what I thought would be right to please other people when someone else said you should do it. I knew loads of teachers around me, loads of people trained to be a teacher. And I put myself in a position where I was like, yeah, let's do it. That'll be dead easy. There's a job at the end of it for me. Lifestyle sorted. Get loads of school holidays. I lasted about two and a half months and just thought, what on earth am I doing? But actually, that gave me the opportunity then to step up as a leader because I had to find something new to do. Um, and I could almost separate myself from the herd and the crowd. And then lockdown kicked in and, and we pursued PT. And, and here we are in the confidence project. So like I said, everything does happen for a reason. I am a believer in that. But you had to go through it to grow through it. And and I, I don't regret those sort of two to three months that I trained to be a teacher. I learned some experiences, but yeah, that wasn't for me. And the, the biggest lesson I've learned is not to follow the crowd and to step up as, as a leader to do something you want to do, not something else wants to do. So another great question there. Um, Number three, quite relevant to you guys. Now, all you guys in this room will probably know the answer here. Um, But for anyone who doesn't, the question was, why did you change from just PT into the confidence project? Again, a really fair question. Um, and that's just down to enjoyment, fulfillment. Started PT when I was, um, whenever lockdown was, whenever that was, 2020. Um, in fact, just before, just qualified. And it was going well. Um, I had my mum as a client to start off with. I had a couple of friends and it literally grew through lockdown um, we started doing Zoom calls. So Rowan's dad lived in Dubai at the time. He wanted some sessions online. Then I put it on Instagram. Then that grew and someone else wanted it. And then we built up quite a Zoom client base, if you will. Then we could go outside. And then the client base grew and grew and grew. But it never stopped. And I kept pursuing this growth and got another one and another one and another and another. And before I knew it, I was trying to juggle a full-time job and all these clients pushed PT in so hard that I could go full-time because I had to make that decision. But again, that train never stopped. It was, I want more and more and more. And my eyes went off the prize, really, and I was in a position where I knew that I was just focused on the numbers and just trying to build more clients. And that's what I thought would make a really good business model. If I could say I had 50 clients, then great. But in reality, the more clients I took on without really thinking about them and thinking about myself, it suffered more and more. So I suffered, they suffered, the results weren't there. We were all sort of in maybe land and, and it was just a case of like, what do we do? So I got myself a coach and I think that's a question later on the line. Um, and we dialed down in our niche and again, here we are. So a bit like the teaching thing, I, I did have to go through it to grow into it and to understand the lessons and to actually make myself a better coach. Um, but it was the best transition I've ever made. You know, we, we've got, Lots of branches being added to our tree constantly. We are forever growing. And it's a really important um, thing to me and, and hopefully to you guys listening, really. So, yeah, I'm glad we made that transition. I would never, ever go back to generic PT. And I still get messages. If I give you 20 quid, will you do me a session? Uh, no, 
I don't want to because I've been there. I'm not. I'm not about the money. I'm not chasing anything like that. You know, I actually want to look after people and to create a community, a culture, and that's the thing that they will drive. And and that is the prize to me. It's helping people. Like I said, that's why I got into a coach and and being a coach. And when I left that role to just chase, like I said, the numbers and and almost popularity, then then it soon went really. So actually I'm just focusing on myself and being that leader again. And, and that is exactly why I changed from just PT into the Confidence Project because it's where my niche and the results were and it's where you guys deserve to be really, not just clients. You are part of the biggest and best community and culture. I, I know I don't know anyone else who offers anything like we do at all. I don't know anyone else who has a community like we do. I don't know any other setup um, that can offer the same support network so i think it's an incredible place to be i really really do um but question number four before i waffle on too much what's 2024 got in store for you again i assume this this meant sort of across the board obviously just got married honeymoon we'll probably look at the next sort of steps in our life and, and assess where we're going down that route in terms of health and fitness and all that side of things um who knows, really? We've got a few events coming up. We'll, we'll no doubt do a Tough Mudder again. Um, I've got a client who wants to do Ben Nevis. Um, if I like High Rocks in November, I will do a solo one, but I don't know. I don't know how that's going to pan out, really. Um, there's a couple of things I've looked at that I'd like to do, but again, it's more lifestyle-dependent next year, really. It's quite tricky, but I would like to do Europe's Toughest Mudder, um, which is a like a 12-hour Tough Mudder throughout the night. Um, I have booked the marathon in May. I booked that, so that's all sort of the, the gym side of things. I'm going to try my hand at a couple of new things, so I'm going to reduce my gym sessions to five a week rather than six, and I'm going to look at doing some form of MMA, just more for skills and combat, and to add to my CV and to, to step out of my comfort zone more than anything. So that's something that's in the works at the moment. That's where I see it going. But yeah, pl- there's always something going on next year, really. So. 2024, more events, bigger and better. Confidence Project is only going to grow. Uh, from a personal point of view, who knows, but I know full well that the the business and the coaching model is only going to skyrocket because we're only getting better. We're only creating a better community, and I think that's a really important thing that's going to drive actually me through 2024. So that's question number four, done and dusted. Now, this one, a little bit more food-related. What do you eat in a typical day? There is whatever I want, quite simply. Um, there's no, I'm not going to say there's no right or wrong and everyone's got a different food go-to and what they do and don't enjoy. But actually for me, as long as I can fit in my calories, so I track my calories, that's the thing that works best for me. I will look at them, my protein levels and things like that and, and go from there. But to answer your question, for breakfast, it'll be some sort of porridge, toast, eggs something actually like quite stereotypical i guess um but i will always with every meal and it's probably a little bit tricky to do at breakfast but put my protein first so if i am having toast or something like that where there's not a lot of protein i will just have a shake next to it so i'll I'll make sure that rather than avoiding protein and playing chase later i can hit it with every meal and i can identify it with every meal um so roughly speaking, if I can have 30 to 40 grams of protein per meal, then I'm quite happy. If I just had my toast, for instance, and there was no protein, I know that later down the line, I'm going to have to have something higher in protein. So maybe an extra chicken breast, something like that. 
And lunch and tea or dinner, whatever you want to call it, it varies from time to time. But as long as I've got, I've got my protein source, so basically some sort of animal product, meat, fish, eggs, whatever it's going to be, don't really care what goes with it. Um, I'm on tray bakes at the moment. I'm banging everything in the oven and, and popping it out, and there you have it. I'll cook, cook a couple of meals. Um, I try to keep it as clean and as um, whole as possible, so not too many, like, unnecessary products, quite single ingredient foods, quite pure, but it varies. And as long as I've hit my protein, I don't really mind. So like say, you know, any animal sort of form, you know, chicken, fish, turkey, the list goes on and on and on. Um, I've got a thing for gnocchi at the moment as well. So I quite have bit gnocchi, but again, like any form of carbs will go well with it. Veg is unlimited. And again, if I can sort of have an array of colour, I won't necessarily track my fruit and veg, but I know if I can have two to three portions of it per meal, then again, it's going to it's gonna be like a rainbow, really. There's going to be plenty of nutrition and vitamins there for me. So that's the route I'll go down. My snacks, if I was struggling with anything, it would be snacks. Um, I'm currently trying to go down the boiled egg route, um, but I, I don't want things to be too artificial. So I'm trying to currently have a bigger meal um, so that I can then... Um, have less snacks but if i'm having snacks i'll try have yogurts things like that again there's a big craze about protein puddings protein da, 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 da. list goes on and i get it but for me i am i almost want to try level up from that now and, and build better foundations so i have less ingredient food but in reality your classic protein puddings bars snacks all that jazz that goes quite well but again it's whatever I want, really, as long as it fits my number and I'm quite happy and there's not too much sugar and there's a nice amount of protein and there's a good bit of colour, it doesn't matter. So a lot of people will ask me, what should I be in? Well, what do you want to eat? And can you manipulate it differently? But if anyone's listening, whoever's asked that, like we can have a chat about it. And for you guys listening right here, like if you've got any questions about how can you manipulate the certain foods that you want to eat so it does fit your goals, then we can do that. But you've almost got to meet what you want halfway. You don't want to turn your life upside down. You don't want to eat things for the sake of eating them. If you want something, eat it. Don't feel guilty about it, but how does it actually not hinder your progress? And that's the route I would be going down with that. But what do I eat in a typical day? Well, whatever I want. There you go. There's your answer. Um, how's my training going was the next question that I got. Uh, like I said previously, um, got loads of events coming up, but training, to be fair, it hasn't taken a dive, but I think with the build-up to the wedding and stuff, I've just been ticking over. Um, I'm in the gym four to six times a week. I'll do one-ish run at the moment, but I'm ready to push back and rewind a couple of months. I was really going quite hard. Um, obviously, we've got high rocks on the back of our mind in November, so it's quite high rocks based. So I've actually just got my new training plan. And like I say, I've reduced my training sessions to five a week. That is three gym sessions, two runs. My runs, I'll be on my feet for about an hour, give or take, depending on what I'm doing. I've got a 10K in October where I'm going to try hit a sub 45. So I will, the training that I'm running will revolve around that, the speed work, the push, the, the can I just knock off a couple of minutes from my previous PB. Um, my training, I will tend to start, um, to be fair, I haven't even looked properly at my new program, but how it tends to go is I will have like a compound movement, so some sort of deadlift, squat, bench press. I'll tail off with a couple of exercises it's very tempo heavy, so it's very slow movements controlled and we want to go slow to grow almost. Um, and then like my finisher, if you will, will be about anywhere between 20 and 40 minutes. So it's sometimes quite a big finisher. Um, then that's at the moment high rocks based. 
if I wasn't doing high rocks, then there'd be more resistance work. But again, we've always got to keep the goal the goal. So at the moment, my training is going on that route. But there is a slot where I'm almost going to wildcard it. And like, say, if I can try my hand at something new, some sort of MMA, some sort of pad work, then I will do just that. But it varies. But typically, four to six sessions a week, mainly in the gym, some runs. Depends what's going on. When I do the marathon next year, I will potentially do one less gym session and maybe one more run, depending on where I'm at with it. But again, like chops and changes and, and training's going well, really, as well. So... I enjoy training and like I say, I'm ready to push back with it definitely on the back of sort of um, a lull with the wedding, et cetera, and things like that. Um, obviously, you guys listening, if you've got any questions on the back of any of that, please feel free. I appreciate it. It's just a, a one-man band at the moment, me just waffling, but jumping at any time you see fit. Uh, question number seven, how was the wedding celebrations? I've actually just done a little podcast episode on that previously just to just go into it and say look i'm back sort of thing but they were amazing um if i've had a conversation with anyone that's that's been the hot topic the headline news and it was great couldn't have gone better weather was on our side had a fantastic celebration friday to sunday a, a big hangover on the sunday then we went on um honeymoon on that thursday so that was a real switch off point that was really nice across the board really so i've had a good two weeks of wedding honeymoon and absolutely loved it. And I think the thing for me with the wedding is like we've got such a big family. And when my like my mum and dad split when I was very young, and they both got extended big families. So like we had loads of people who aren't seeing each other in years. And it just to be under one roof and just to be having a good time that I can remember, then it, it was absolutely amazing. I, I had a good time and everyone else did, and everyone said it was a good do. So I was really, really pleased with obviously how it went. And I think. The thing with the wedding is there's such a big build-up. It was a two-and-a-half-year engagement. There's a lot of boxes to tick. You're wanting everyone else to have a good time. We're focusing on you know all the ins and outs. And in reality, it just went to plan. So, yeah, wedding celebrations were good. Um, <laughs> the next question I got was, no more charity challenges, question mark. I don't know. I don't know. Um the lead's 10K. My mum's doing that. She's raising money for the local care home and my grandma's. That's I'll, I'll put my name in the hat for that. And I was only an hour and about doing something like, if I don't get a sub 45, I'll do like 500 burpees or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's not really my battle to fight. Um, but I, I might just do something like that. But I feel like I've done my charity challenges. I'm not saying I won't do another one, but, you know, 2022 is a big year for it. I didn't want to do any in 2023 purely because of the wedding and things. Now that it's over, maybe next year I can look at doing something. But in reality, I've, I've, I feel like I've done my bit for now and, and I'll revisit it at a later date. So for now, nothing on my radar. There are challenges, but ones that I want to focus on myself. Um, I don't feel like I need to do them for charity. But if, if there's a relevant cause and case coming up, then of course I will. I um, actually play for a charity football team sporadically. So we always sort of, you know, when we pay our subs, that goes to charity. So I, I do like a bit of charity work behind the scenes almost. Albeit I've got a football match today and I can't find my boots or shin pads. So I'm snookered at the moment. I might, might be a trip to Sports Direct this morning, but we'll soon see. Um, but yeah, at the moment, no more charity challenges, but I'm always, I'll, I'll contribute to someone else's if needs be or if the time's right, I'll do my own. Um, I've only got a couple more questions here about me and then the rest are more 
generic struggles that are things that people have sort of popped up randomly and again there's no real theme to this this is just me spouting off what i've been asked and and obviously if you guys can take anything away from it then that's absolutely brilliant and for you guys listening and anyone listening on the podcast then by all means just send over any questions you've got um but question number nine was when did you really start getting into the gym and I think like most people, I started and stopped and started and stopped and had an interest, didn't have an interest. And then obviously with my role, it's sort of part of the parcel. Really. I've, sort of, I've got to go, I can't not go to the gym. And, and I think when I really got into PT and really caring about my health and fitness and I, I really got into it, but I guess it's to what extent. So I started when I was 15, 16, just went, like you like you do you sit on machines you sit on your phone you go around you look at what someone else is doing your youtuber workout i went with my brothers uh not my brothers my mate's brother um it was like a three four years older than us so he sort of we did what he did really and we just followed along and we were like his shadow in the gym for you know i don't know what it must have looked like but we were just like puppies following him around and we sort of went through it all i was always into sport always played football so that exercise drive was there and I, I got gratification from the gym. Um, and we, but we got to the point where we just ended up going to like, we was at the, um, the Cal gym in Huddersfield at the stadium. And we just used, used to go to sauna, take gym stuff in the bag, pop swimming trunks on straight in sauna. That'd be half an hour. That was our gym session. And then we, you know, we sit in jacuzzi and whatever. And like, you know, you don't care. You're a teenager, you'll do whatever. And I think when I just, started working at the local gym as a customer advisor. Then you got a free gym membership. So I started going a little bit more, but not really having direction. So again, I'm YouTubing workouts. I'm buying online programs with no direction. Went to unit again, sort of did my own thing. Um, but I was I was then active. So basically through the years, the more I've grown older, the more I've got into it. Um, but then I obviously went when started thinking about becoming a PT and actually when people started asking me for advice and what to do and what not to do then I pursued it a little bit more and I could sort of pick up on lessons that I'd had so again it's, it's this whole thing of you know I've had to go through it to to talk about it and to do all these sorts of things but yeah I would say on and off since 16 properly since sort of maybe 2019 and then only when I got myself a coach which is actually the next question um I really hit it hard sort of thing and, and really cared what I was doing in the gym and really pushed with a real direction so again it's not an overnight process these these things take years I'm still learning I'm always learning like I said that's why I want to maybe pursue MMA that's why I'm signing up to marathons that's why I want to do Europe's toughest mother because how can I then advise people what to do someone comes to me and says I want to do an ultra marathon well if I ain't done one then how on earth can I help people so I'm always going to have to go through something to help people out and and obviously that takes time and experience and you've got to learn from your lessons. So, yeah, you know, I've been going for maybe over 10 years, but properly only the last few years, really. And I mean, really properly. Um, question number 10, why do you have a coach? Same reason you'd get a coach. Why would you want someone to hold you to a higher standard? Why would you want to, why would you want help in the gym? It's because you need it, why? because you want that sense of direction. It's because you want someone on your shoulder. And especially in my role, when I'm, obviously trying to, you know, coach other people, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go through the exact same struggles as them. Um, so like for me, nutrition's always been a struggle. Like 
I'm a, a dustbin, you know, to quote someone quite recently, you know, I'll just eat and eat and eat. And I need to learn where to push and pull with my food so then I can go to somebody. And then if someone comes to me with the same problem, I can then help them. Um, you know, I need to learn to do like, you know, just little little bits really. And again, I'm just always adding to my CV really. And, and I'm then learning from the very best, you know, I've invested you know, it's like one of the biggest investments I've made is in myself, getting my own coaches, because I want to be in a position where I can learn. I can be surrounded by other people who have got a, a multitude of experience. So I think it's really important that, yes, people come to see me, but they know that I've got someone in my corner that's going to help me. So I'm currently with the, the high-performance coach, so they brand themselves as the coach's coach, and they will help me. Um, with everything, every box ticked. Their, their ethos is to look at me as a person, to look at me as an athlete, to me as a coach, and to, and to my business model. And they will help me, and they have helped me unlock, obviously, the confidence project and things like that. So they've really helped sort of save my life, really, in terms of the coaching realm and, and everything that comes with it. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a really important investment to invest in yourself and to have someone in your corner, to have the right person. I always think that you could go to a hundred different coaches and you'd get a hundred different results. So you've got to be with the right people in the right room and you've got to be in a position where you look after yourself with um, with who you want to really, you know, so you, you know, do your research and if, if the confidence project ticks your box, then we'll happily have you. If, if obviously you're a right fit for us and if you're not, there might be someone else more suited and, you know, things like that. So, you know, take the time to invest in yourself is what I would say on the back of that question. And, and that's exactly why I have a coach, the same reason you guys would have a coach. Um, but there's 10 questions that are quite centered around me. Um, the remainder of these are all centered around sort of, um, like, like I said, just general struggles that maybe people have had more statements and things like that. So you guys listening might be able to resonate with this. And again, jump in if you've got any questions, anything you want answering. Um, but, the, the first one here is how to avoid guilt after an off day. And I've, I've been through this and, and I think this typically resonates with um, those who haven't like an all or nothing approach. And I think that might be a recurring answer with some of these, but when you have an off day, no matter what extent you have got to think it's just one day, it's just one decision that, that might go on to, a week, a weekend, you know, typically Monday, Thursday has been great. And then Friday, Sunday, it's been a write-off. I know we've all done that. It's very easy to focus on what you haven't done, then to feel guilty and you create a quite a vicious hamster wheel, really. So the way that I would avoid guilt is to start thinking in years and decades as opposed to days and weeks, um, simply because, you know, you, you've got one life. How are you going to live it? Are you going to live it riddled with guilt, What focusing on what you haven't done, where you could be? Or can you focus on where you're going to go? Where What's the future got in store for you? Like, if you're living, you know, you're 24 hours in the day, just miserable, guilty, oh, I didn't do this. You know, you're always focusing on these negative connotations with your health, fitness, well-being, then spin it and just draw a line in the sand. And that takes practice and, and that takes experience. But the best thing you could ever do is just to just to move on. Don't worry about it. And the thing that helps me, it's all right saying that, I guess, but the thing that helps me do that is to reiterate it. So again, surround myself with people who, who will help me with that. I've got my own coach. I, I create a community where we... we don't focus on the guilt, what we haven't done, the negatives, but actually like one of our pillars in the confidence project is to focus on positivity. And like, 
it's very difficult to be positive when there's so much going on in the world, you know, there's wars in the world, there's hunger, there's all sorts going on. But actually, what are your positives and what can you tell yourself and actually verbalize that and say, you know what, Liam, you've had a good day today. And so what, you want to have three liters of water, but actually look at, you know, your choices that you've made, you've trained well and we move on and we, and we focus then on the things that make us feel good and we start gravitating towards that as opposed to the things that we haven't done and the things that pull us back. And then can you meet it halfway? You, you you probably feel guilty for not doing something because maybe standards are too high and, and we're striving for perfection, not consistency. And actually, if we can just focus on one day at a time and not try to tick every impossible box, then this feeling of guilt will soon sort of ebb and flow away. It'll come back at times. Of course it will, because I don't know, you might have had a birthday and you might have an extra big blowout, but like, you are only human and, and it's justifiable. And unless you are training to be like a bodybuilder in reality, then like, who cares if you've had a slice of cake, like what's life without a bit of chocolate? You know, like I wouldn't really worry about these things. And the approach I would take to this is you, the chances are you focus on the, the physical components of, of the health and fitness, but what about your well being? What about you from a social point of view, emotional, mental, physiological like the list goes on really about actually okay you've had a weekend blowout but have you had a nice time with your friends did you need to switch off from work have you had a nice time with your child going out and doing x y and z you know what like pick your battles and and if it's really an issue then then laser focus on it but one step at a time don't set your expectations too high meet yourself halfway and think about where you want to be going not what you could have done in the past is maybe the best way of framing that so yeah just don't feel guilty. Reiterate the positives, not the negatives, is what I'd say there. Um, the next question is, I struggle to be consistent, mainly with food. Um, difficult one, because I've been there. And I would simply ask the question, what's consistency to you? What would be a good day in your eyes? And I would almost create then what, what would frame as like non-negotiables. So if you were to write a list of like, again, don't set that list too high. Don't write 10 things, write three things. So water with every meal, for instance, two portions of veg with main meals. And I don't know, um, you might write only five meals in a day, three meals, two snacks. I don't know, whatever that's going to look like, really. And always use that as like your baseline. And if you can tick those boxes, re honestly, regardless of what any anything else has happened, like, for now, if you've overshot your calories by 5,000, then who cares? But you've ticked those boxes. Then you've had a very zoomed out approach. And then you can start to zoom in. Almost think of it as like the layers of an onion, really. At the moment, you're looking at the outer layer. and It's a little bit dirty and a little bit grotty. And, and But then you start to peel it back. It's like, right, what else can we do next? So how can you add to that list? And before you know it, you might have got to that magic 10. And you will be in a position where... You can be proud of your efforts and you almost then don't have to think because the more you do something, the more consistent you get. But you've got to find what works for you. You've got to um, look after you and not really think about what anyone else is doing. And I think that's especially like now with technology and all the do's and don'ts on social media and you should be in this and you shouldn't be in this and you've got to do this to get here and all that. Like forget all that. Like what works for you? Like, you see all these stuff on Instagram and stuff, but like they don't know you, they don't know your mindset. So actually what works best for you? So like for me, like I, I will always struggle, struggle to drink loads of water. 
But I know that if I if I have a pint glass inside, I can sort of down a pint quite easily. But it tip, you know, if I had one of them bottles of water that's got like the timing on and like six or seven, drink this, like I just wouldn't do it. And then I'd feel guilty for not doing it. And I'd really struggle. So just a clear pint glass for me, boom, knock it down, job done. I know that if I have three of them plus other fluids, I'm happy. And and again, that that's how I will combat a, a problem really. But honestly, consistency. You've got to give yourself time to be consistent. And the chances are like you might be, you might have sent that message in after a week or even just like a weekend blowout. But if we start thinking years and decades as opposed to days and weeks, well, actually, if I said to you, look over the 365 days in a year, traffic like them, how many of them have actually been read? Well, you might say, I don't know, Christmas, birthdays, the odd weekend, what whatever. But the chances would be it'd be less than, a quarter of those days so when you put it in perspective actually things aren't too bad and have you been quite consistent over the long run as opposed to the short term and that's how I would maybe frame it so a lot of these things are just shifting your perspective more than anything but consistency is actually keep reinforcing the things that will take you to where you want to be there is going to have to be an element of discipline there is you know we can't avoid that but that doesn't have to be rocket science that doesn't have to be something that's so um rigid set in one way like it can be pliable you can meet it halfway you can manipulate that to suit you as opposed to everyone else so consistency just keeps showing up one day at a time and i guess it reiterates with this idea of feeling guilty don't feel guilty just draw a line under it start again you can put incentives in place like you, you can i once remember having this thing with a client where we had like a sticker chart almost and it, in in that case they, they just reported back like every day you know right these are your boxes to tick can you do it? And it, you know, water, food, training, and it can be as blanket statement as that really. But then from there, we can build and grow and go through it. So hopefully that answers your question about consistency, but it's completely subjective as are all of these really. Um, but what I would do is avoid that guilt factor and just have that list of non-negotiables are the things that I would say, and just keep showing up for you and not for anybody else. Whew. Um, Question number 13 I've got written here. Best thing to do in the gym for a beginner? Um, just go. <laughs> just go. Ask yourself why you're going to the gym. Why are you going to the gym? What is it that's going to tick your box, itch your scratch? Um, is it to look after your health and fitness? Are you going to change shape? Is it for a mindset thing? You know, But the best thing to do is to... Go at your discretion. And again, think of this as like the layer of an onion, I guess. Like at the moment, you are just the onion. Just go do something rather than nothing. Sit, I say sit on the treadmill. Don't sit on the treadmill. Walk on the treadmill for half an hour. Do what you want to do. And then from there, once you're in a routine, and again, like these non-negotiables are set in, how can you manipulate that? How can you actually get more out of it? Are you coming out of the gym feeling gratified? So then you'll start venturing into different, Training splits so quite an obvious one might be to, okay, imagine you've got all sort of your muscles. And again, quite generic. You don't have to go too much into detail with that. But like, let's say you've got like your chest, triceps, shoulders, back, biceps, legs, abs, so on and so forth. Over the week, can you tick them? And how you do that, it doesn't matter. So typically, like I would like to work in like an upper and lower, an upper and lower sort of thing. Some people might do like a push-pull legs. That's quite a nice split. Um some people like to isolate the muscle groups. And for now, there's no right or wrong. Again, it's independent, um, sorry, dependent on that individual. Um, like personally, I, I don't find you can progress as much if you 
isolate your muscle group. So if you just just did a chest day, then you're just working your chest once a day. So I would say like start quite sort of zoomed out, start zooming in, discover what works for you, set the routine in place. From there, can you tick the boxes of all the muscles? Can you leave the gym feeling like you've really worked and really put something um, in place? But going with an aim from there, so right, my aim is to go on four machines, right, go on four machines, fine. Can I then venture into the dumbbell section? Like, you know, don't be afraid to fail is the other thing I'd say. For, for anyone in the gym, like, you're going to get things wrong. And I think that can come with a degree of anxiety in the gym and embarrassment and I shouldn't be doing this. I don't feel like I belong. You hear that sort of thing in the gym and, like, you know, you're part of the furniture. You're paying your membership. Do what you want in the gym. Do a backflip and roll around five times. It doesn't really matter in the gym. Like, just go in and do something. Nobody really cares. But what matters is you're going for a reason and you're coming out having ticked that box. So it's completely goal-dependent. So assess what your goal is and go from there. And if it's to get a little bit stronger, then lift some weights and then start to give it more direction as you go. Get yourself a coach. Do your research on YouTube, you know, like, am I doing the right things? Record yourself in the gym. Uh, go with a friend. There's little things you can do, but, you know, what is your goal? Why are you going to the gym? Um, and then go from there is what I'd really say to that one. Um, the next question I've got here is uh, how to improve running speed. Oh, good question. Um, coming from a man who likes to plod along. Um, I've found, and again, I only discovered this, when I got my own coaches. So like I, I hated running for so long, couldn't stand it. Like I said, I played football. I sort of hovered around the, the center circle really. I didn't really like putting the work in to run up and down, chase the ball, still don't. Um, so the idea of going out for a run was really sort of just, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to go to the gym and that's it. And if I did go for a run, it would be a very sporadic 5K. And I found that if I was doing the same thing over and over, I didn't get any better at it, which is why I'd actually say like it's important to change your plan to keep the goals the goal, but like come at it at different angles, like change your movement patterns. Don't keep doing the same thing. If you're training for a 10k run, for instance, I would not be going 10k once a week because that's what I, that's what I'd do. Like I'd do like 5k on my distance, and if I'd run it in around half an hour, I'd be quite happy and I wouldn't really be bothered. And I'd do it like once once a month and that's it very reluctantly as well. And it'd give me a headache and I'd justify all the reasons I didn't want to do it. But in reality, I wasn't putting the right amount of work in. So the thing I would do on top of obviously not just doing the same runs is I'd do two things. Uh, and this is, again, this is what's helped me. Um, you might have to twiddle this as much as you can. But in order to get faster, I'm really focused on my um, zone two training. So what I mean by that is if you can run at a, about 60% of your max heart rate for a sustained period, for a longer period. You, sh I mean, the best way of looking at this is, can you hold a conversation when you're running? Maybe that's how I'd frame zone two training. And I would, again, look at how you can build your distance. Um, I mean, in reality, anywhere between, I mean, that could be anywhere between 30 and 90 minutes in the grand scheme of things, but almost see that as setting the foundations and this, this like concrete foundation of, right, this is where we're at. And if we can just almost build that foundation, because the the longer you go in your zone two training, the the more you can sustain it, the stronger these foundations get. So that when it comes to doing them like an event, you can actually sustain that heart rate for longer. And then on top of your zone two, like I say, nothing's ever linear. So what we want to do is some interval training, 
So push hard in your intervals. And again, like hypothetically, let's just say you had six lots of a, a 400 meter track. Just go with that and like give yourself a set rest period. So work at 400 meters at your discretion, rest for um, two minutes and then go again and then set some standards like that. The next time you do some intervals, you might do eight lots of 400 meters or you might do six lots of 600 meters. And what you do is just build on those intervals. They can always interchange, but actually look at the effort that you're putting into that, like really go for it. Depending on the distance, like you might do three lots of one kilometer. I don't know, pick whatever distance you want. But actually, when you are doing those intervals, push hard. And what I mean by that is like you can convince yourself you're pushing hard, but are you really pushing hard enough? Are you coming out blowing that like you possibly can't do anymore? You, you've actually, you've got to dig really deep when you do these sort of things. You're going to have to go to a place you haven't been before in order to grow. So when you do these interval, this interval training, like go for it, do your best. And because you've then paired that with some good zone two training, your entire baseline fitness will increase. And therefore the threshold that you're working in will become um, more appropriate you will get faster in turn because you you have the ability to have almost that on and off switch when they're intervals, when you're flying down a track or whatever. And before you know it, when you're looking back at your running, let's just say hypothetically previously you might run a 10-minute mile, that might go down to a nine-minute mile without you really realising. And that's what happened to me anyway. I, I And the turning point for me was when I did the 4x448 challenge in March last year, so four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And I took clients out. And and it was a it was a bumble. It was, like like I said, at that point I hated running. So I knew that running with people very steadily at a pace I could sustain where I didn't come back absolutely blowing would be fine. And I, I ran depend on it depended on the client, their ability in reality, but about eleven minute mile. So each each outing took about forty five minutes. And as I was going round, I just thought, you know what? Like this is fine. I could do this for, for longer really. And that's what gave me the confidence to then push that a little bit faster. And before you know it, like a, a steady run for me now would be like in comparison, maybe in it, depending on the distance, but I think I could sustain an eight to nine minute mile for, you know, well, like look at the marathon time. It wasn't far off four hours really. So that's about a nine minute mile. And that was hilly. So that's just proof in the pudding that the more I do something and the longer I just spend time on my feet and the more effort I can put in, the faster I get. So hopefully that answers your running speed question um to be fair guys we are nearly there as well so i've only got a couple of questions left so like i say at any point if anyone wants to chuck anything in please do um, but the next question here i've got is what should i be eating in a day um I, I guess we've already answered that like i've said like what do i eat whatever i want but whatever you want um and frame that how you want <laughs> so um Structure your meals on, on I guess, suited to your lifestyle for a start off. So, like, whether you have breakfast or not, it's fine. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Um, like, lunch might fluctuate. You know, your tea, you might be working late. So, in terms of, like, when you actually eat, um, it doesn't matter. But the one thing I'd encourage is consistency. That's quite difficult with shift workers and things like that. Um, but... <sighs> it's this idea of setting routines and getting into the habit and getting your body sort of adapted to um, doing the same thing day in, day out. And, and like I said, setting habits, but actually what should you be in? Find your protein source um, with either every meal or hit it in a day. Um, have lo- like fruit and veg unlimited. That's how I'd see that. 
Um, you can't have enough. Like you hear this thing of have five portions of fruit and veg a day. It's quite difficult to do. If you've ever tried to have five portions of fruit, 80 gram um, portions plus five portions of veg, it's quite tricky. Um, it's not easy at all. So like you can do what you want with that. Your carbs, pick what you want. Again, like it's interchangeable, but I would see this as let's take a hypothetical plate, whether this is whatever meal, breakfast, lunch, tea, snacks, and you would have half of that plate devoted to fruit or veg, a quarter of your plate devoted to some sort of carbs, and then another quarter devoted to your protein. That will work quite well. That is, of course, interchangeable. And you know that full well, if that plate was 90% carbs and there's going to be more calories on it, um, you know that if you are someone who avoids fruit and veg at all costs, um, you're going to be lacking in sort of some sort of nutrients, minerals, thing, things like that. So your food is is completely dependent on you but in reality again like it's an open book just discover what you enjoy to eat like i like pizza i know i can't have pizza every day but one thing i do have is quite a lot of tortilla wraps so i will i'll put my put a bit of cheese on it a bit of protein some sort of chicken and and that itches my scratch with that so be flexible be pliable with your food but put yourself in a position where you don't sacrifice or eliminate anything and, and you eat the foods you want to eat within reason it's all balanced so listen to your body and become intuitive uh, Lucy, great question. How would you change your food before an event? Um, if you want to unmute and elaborate on, is there a specific event? Because it, it absolutely depends on what what you're training for. Are we talking 10Ks? Are we talking high roxes? Um, are we talking long distance? Or just chuck in the chat box. Um, but generally speaking, your food before an event independent uh, i keep saying independent i mean dependent on you um and what i mean by this is how do you react with food so i would personally again look at some form of carb load if the event was long distance so i'm talking what's long distance to you again i would consider that like if you're on your feet for an hour and a half then um or doing whatever i don't know swimming for, I don't know, whatever whatever said event is where you're going to be burning a lot of calories, then we need to have almost that store of energy that we can go to. So the longer the event, the more food I would eat. But that is how you react to food. Are you going to feel bloated? Are you going to feel um, like you struggle the next day? But I would increase your carbs. Um, you start by doubling them, for instance. So for every, for every gram of... Um, carbohydrates or for every kilogram of body weight i should say like can you eat i don't know let's say four times as much how does your body react to that you know then you're working with a full tank um that's what i did with the, with the marathon so i had eight grams of carbohydrates on the thursday i was running on the sunday for every kilogram of body weight um, and that took me to over like 600 grams of carbs um i had um, six grams of carbs per kilogram of body weight on the Friday and the Saturday. And like I said before, I, I am a bit of a dustbin. I can eat and eat and eat. So it was no problem really having pasta at nine o'clock and porridge at 11 o'clock. I was just trying to cram it in. That's what worked for me. And I felt really energized and I ran the marathon without really any issues. Um, you might be someone who really struggles to eat food. So you've almost got to then knock that back a little bit. So just if I said to you, have a slightly heavier carb meal, um, the night before that might work well some people actually just eat something that's palatable for you but the one thing I wouldn't say is looking at your event like 
don't don't have a takeaway. Don't like eat well, eat good foods, foods that's going to provide you with something like whatever your meal, ask yourself, what am I getting out of this? So again, plenty of uh, fruit or veg, for instance, plenty of color, a nice wholesome sort of protein source and some carbs that you can digest easily. Then no problem at all. That will work quite well in my eyes, but again, it's subjective to you. Plenty of water in the run-up again. We've almost got to think about this idea of having a full tank and how can we operate from a from an empty or a half tank? We can't. So like, don't be afraid to eat. And we've got to keep the goal as the goal. We've got to forget aesthetics. We've got to forget protein. We've got to like look at what's going to fuel us. So when you are training for said event, then do some trial and error. Like you're going to get things wrong. Like when I was training for the marathon, I was trialing all these different gels, energy drinks, coffees. I was trying to sort of eat foods that maybe I wouldn't have eaten. And the amount of times I just had to run home because I thought I was going to go to the toilet. I thought, no, this isn't playing ball. Like, this hasn't worked for me. And then you discover what works best. So, like, I know that the the orange-flavoured gels, nope, I won't be having them again because they didn't play ball. I remember being on the greenway and thinking, no, oh, I need to go home now. So it was a quick spin around. So you, you're going to have to go through these things and, and work on your terms. Um, but I would really say, like, just have a practice, see how you feel with it. On the day of the event, depends on the event so if it's like a, a 10k run for instance and you are it's, it's something you've done before then don't overthink it what would you normally have for breakfast you might want to have a, a little bit more of it or whatever but don't overthink it stay hydrated if it's a new event then like i said nerves adrenaline are going to be there so have something that you know that you can eat and enjoy again just don't be stupid with it um but you know like bowl of cereal might work really well for you some toast like whatever you want it it's not going to be be all and end all really. And I think you can really overthink it. Um, I don't think you need to, but I would just say keep carbs as your primary source of sort of like a fuel um, and just don't worry about anything else. Like just don't, don't eat stupid. Like it's this idea of like kiss, like keep it simple, stupid. And that's exactly how I would see it. Like don't be daft with anything. Um, and then afterwards do what you want, celebrate that event. Um, like on the back of that, like I guess post event, there's something called the anabolic window which you might or might not have heard of, but it's, it's this idea of if you have um, protein 30, within 30 minute window post event, then you're going to maximize the protein. So it's why you see so many people having protein immediately after the, their um, gym session or whatever. It's a lot of bollocks. Like it doesn't exist. It's a myth that's been made up to push protein supplements. Um, it's something I've lived in for a long time and it's not the case at all. You can have your protein when you want a so post event do what you want, eat what you want, just get back to baseline. If it's in a Sunday morning event, you celebrate that Sunday because chances are you've worked hard for it. But pre-event, like I say, eat something that's digestible, that's palatable, that you enjoy. Um, examples, again, for me, being like um, bagels is quite an easy carb source with jam, um, honey, like, you know, these sort of like sort of like condiments in terms of like honey, jam, like quite sugary sort of stuff. Anything like that, fruit banana worked quite well um obviously when you're eating then just like rather than protein being your main source like a good starchy carb uh like obvious example pasta you know anything like that rice will work in your favor but yeah hopefully that answers your question uh, but event dependent um and obviously it's something we can speak about if needs be but yeah push, push the carbs and the amount of carbs depends on the distance but before you do that, it's all right me saying that, but trial it. Like, don't don't go into it 
excuse me, um, not having trialed it or anything like that because it, you might shoot yourself in the foot at some point. But yeah, um, that is how I would change my food before an event. Carbs, carbs and more carbs. Um, what supplements would you recommend was another question I've got here. Independent. I, it, it's, it's on you. It's on what's your goal. What do you struggle with? For me, I would always recommend a multivitamin. Quite simply, it ticks a lot of boxes. Um, creatine is essentially an energy supplier. It's going to push. Um, it's going to push the intensity of your sessions through because it's going to give you that little bit more energy. If you're having creatine, make sure you're well hydrated. It's pointless having your creatine if you are not hydrated. Um, it's just going to sit in your system. So make sure that you are, you know, flushing it through almost. Um, but then other than that, like something I maybe recommend is like omega-3, like fish oils, like people don't have enough oily fish in the diet. <clears throat> I think the thing would be if you don't have two portions of oily fish uh, within a week, then you want to look at supplementing your fats. So like I don't really, I can, I can have a bit of tuna, the odd bit of salmon, but in reality I'll, I'll have omega-3 tablets just to push that. Um, what else? I currently have um, glucosamine, just help my joints. Um albeit it's not really essential, but it's just something I found that's helped me. But like you could really list on in reality regarding supplements. Away from like the tablet pill side of things, you like your shakes, your you know, your whey powders, all that, your bars, they are just supplements. So they're not something that's essential, but it's something that might provide a stepping stone. So your obvious example being if you can't hit your protein goals, then a shake would really help benefit that and take you to a place where you can hit that number and you can have that gratification of actually, I know I'm recovering well because I'm hitting my protein, but you might have to supplement that. You might struggle to eat a lot of meat, for instance, or actually you might not eat meat or fish, in which case, um, you know, <clears throat> shakes will be your best friend. So no right or wrong, but look at what is it you want supplementing and how does that need help? But Generally speaking, a multivitamin, um, creatine would be my go-to. And anything else is, it's a nice little bonus. Really, like if you're struggling with sleep, have something that's going to aid you with sleep, i.e., like your magnesium. Um, I, I, the list goes on. In all honesty, and, and that is dependent on you. So, whoever's asked that, then just just ask ask specifically. You know, drop me a message, or if there's something that you struggle with, then we can go through it. No problem. Oh. Um, and the last question I have here, uh, quite niche, but I can't do pull-ups yet. What can I do to improve? Um, practice makes progress. That's what I would say to that about any exercise. Pull-ups are the more, one of the most difficult exercises you could ever do. You've got to pull your body weight up. So look at what your gym has. For me, um, lat pull-downs was a big thing. Drop sets, heavy weights lightweights, different grips, replicating that movement as much as possible. I guess you could say the same for something like press-ups, like do a chest press because that's going to replicate the movement, anything along those lines. But practice makes progress. Your best friend would ideally be like an assisted platform. Um, I guess like I've described it as an elevator where it's like you've got a stack of pins and then you stand on it and, and it assists you up on the pull-up um, pull machine and, and again, do different grips. Look at your tempo, like are you just clanging and banging almost and just jumping up and down like you're on a you know a pogo stick i don't know like make sure your muscles are working like how can you improve your 
the strength in your lats? Can you contract them at the peak of the movement? Can you get a good stretch? Can you feel that working? Um, can you drive with your elbows and not swing around like a lunatic? Like there's little things with pull-ups. Um, but again, like practice makes perfect. Well, perfect. That's a lie. I shot myself in the foot there. Practice makes progress. It doesn't make perfect. It makes progress. So keep progressing with them. Um, the same for any gym session, like focus on your progressive overload. Um, look after you know your weight. So if you're lifting a 10 kilogram weight, can you lift 12 kilograms the next time? And can you can you get the quality rep there? And when you can keep building, the same with your pull-ups. So if you are using assistance, the next time can you use less assistance and so on and so forth? Your pulling movements will complement that. Um, so like dumbbell rows, um, again, different grips. Your bicep curls, don't neglect them. Like there's some there's some good movements there. Focus on the strength of your, um, actually like your grip and things like that will always help. And, you know, th there's ways around it. And there's even like, like I know local tools, there's like specific pull-up classes you can go to and like calisthenic classes. And like, if, if you really want help, like again, get a coach, go go see somebody. That would be the best thing there. But um, like the way we would do it, I, we don't have the assisted pull-up machine. So we use the resistance bands. They're not as ideal, but they will do. We would keep our program revolving around pull-ups. We'd focus on negative pull-ups. So can you hold yourself at the top of the rep? Um, and are we progressing and are we working with intent is the question I would ask you there. So there is my list of questions that I've got through. Quite random, quite miscellaneous, but hopefully there's actually some really good points being made there. So you guys in the room here, if there's anything else you would like to ask, I'm going to just open the chat box for um, like 30 seconds or so if you've got anything whether it's about me whether it's about uh, struggling life whatever you want the chat box is there for you if not then obviously I'll take this opportunity to thank you for being here and, and for listening to this and for anyone who's listening on the podcast then hopefully your questions have been answered if not please drop me a message if you want me to elaborate on something then no problem I've spoken more in opinion rather than fact um, to a degree, obviously based on experience. But again, if that sort of question hasn't been answered or whatever, then I'm all I'm all ears really. So, if there are no questions in the chat box, team, then I'm going to love you and leave you. <laughs>